if you've lost loved ones, if you're just dealing with trials in life, I promise you, you're going to want to be at this conference. It's got something for you. It is a free conference, but what we do need is we need you guys to register. So one, you can register. The easiest way is register on our website. We ask that you can do that. If not, in the next week or two, we're going to have a sign-up sheet in the back for those, only for those that are unable to register online. We need a head count um, of how many are coming simply for the fact uh, we're going to be having a Friday evening meal before the conference that Friday evening, and then as well lunch on the grounds that Saturday. Uh, the conference will be Friday evening, October 20th, from about, uh, at service will start at 7, we'll be out of here by about 8.30 or so, and then Saturday the conference will be from 9 to 3.30, we've got several speakers coming in, and then as well the couple that does the Living in Spite of Ministries, uh, they are a wonderful, wonderful couple, they'll be with us that Sunday as well. And so make plans to be a part of us that weekend. Um, here soon as well, we'll be releasing. We'll need some folks for some volunteers because we'll have a little bookstore because we've got free resources and books for people to get. Um, and as well, uh, we'll need help with uh, sound systems, security, uh, some food, different things like that. Uh, so just be on the lookout. But we've got more of these postcards out there to invite folks, all right? We are um, showering all of our local churches and beyond. Uh, with packets of information. There's information on our Facebook and online as well on how to register, and we'll be making more announcements as we get closer. But hold on to this and then grab some more in the back to invite some people. If you know somebody that has been going through some deep, deep struggles, this is the time to invite them. I promise you, you will not uh, want to miss this or, or regret being a part of it. A um, couple other things. Uh, next Sunday is our homecoming service, and so we're looking forward to that. We want to let folks know about it and to let them know that they have a home here uh, at Victory Way. And so uh, that day, we're not going to have evening or sunny school. Uh, no evening service or sunny school that day, but we'll have a worship at 1030. Uh, we'll have a few extra specials sung that day, and after preaching, we'll have a meal in the back. Uh, so, of course, church will provide meat and drinks. Y'all bring the rest. So bring whatever you want to share, side dish, dessert, all that good stuff, and we'll have a good time of fellowship And uh, there. Uh, then on uh, August the 27th, last Sunday of the month, um, one, the la uh, ladies who are going on the Claytor Lake trip, is that right? Um, they'll be having a quick meeting right after service that Sunday. And then on that Sunday, for those that had signed up for the Care Portal training, we ask that you stay that day. Afterwards, we'll be having a lunch and a training. We'll provide some pizza for you guys. Lunch and training should take me about an hour and a half or so, all right? And then September 8th and 9th um, will be uh, scheduled right now a character under construction training. Um, uh, Brother Danny Beasley feels love of the Lord to get try to get this going again. There's, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. If you are interested in the character under construction ministry and being a part of it and uh, being in the school system, uh, if you're interested in helping, we need you to do the training, but we need you to sign up first in order to do the training, okay? So pray about getting trained up and afterwards possibly helping out uh, a couple days a month, and uh, that would be a huge help. If you got any questions, see Danny, and he'll be able to answer all that as best we can. And then if you don't have the answer to your question, then come to the training, and we'll get an answer there, all right? But uh, sign up if you are interested in that. And then as well, we also have some more spaces available if you are desiring to help out with our parking lot ministry on Labor Day weekend, that Friday and Saturday. If you're interested in helping out, what we do is we sit out here in the front uh, like garden gnomes or gargoyles or something, <laughs> and I'm not sure which, 
And we sit out there and we let people park for free. We give them out bottles of water and tracks. We try to pray with folks. But if you can be a part of it, uh, we would greatly appreciate your help that weekend. All right. Um, well, want to look here at the scripture today and we'll pray and uh, we'll worship the Lord. Psalm 84 tells us this <clears throat> in verse number nine. Behold, O God, our shield and look upon the face of thine anointed for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had uh, than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. Today, if you're trusting in the Lord, we are a blessed people. We are blessed in order to bless others, but one of the greatest ways that we can bless others today is to come into the courts of the Lord to worship Him, and we find that it's better to be a day in His, in his courts, in His presence, than it is to be anywhere else, to have a thousand days or a thousand years or anything uh, anywhere else outside of the courts of God. To be in His presence, there is nothing like it, and that's exactly why we're here today. We are come to gather together in the presence of God to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to do just that. We're going to worship the Lord our God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. We're grateful that we can gather, grateful that we can fellowship today, grateful for each soul that's here in this place. God, each one of us are here today to meet with you, and I pray that we would come with hearts that are, are prepared to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds, show us Christ today, draw us near to you, near to one another. Lord, today, if there's one who does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, we pray that you would bring them to a place of repentance and faith, God, that they would put their trust in you alone, that they would be born again. We pray for the believers that are struggling today, uh, battling with sin or battling with whatever it might be, God, that today that you would show us uh, the cure, that you would show us the gospel, that you would show us uh, your glory, that you would simply meet with your people today as we come to gather together to meet with you now. I pray that you would be with the preaching of your word, be with each song, be with our fellowship, and God, that you would be in the midst of us today and that you would be glorified in all things. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord and good morning. If you're able, please stand. We're going to sing a song to the glory of God to the tune of hymn number 746. He keeps me singing. Psalm 40 verse 3 tells us, And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Now how many can say amen to that? Amen. Since you've been saved, God has put a new song in my mouth, and in my heart, by the way, and uh, I'm sure he has yours too, if you've been saved, amen? And to finish the verse out, even praise unto our God, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord, amen. Singing your new song God's put in your mouth, and praise unto our God, it says many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. We can lead people to the Lord by singing that new song he's put in our mouth. That's, what the, that's the way I take that verse. Amen? So hymn number 746, He Keeps Me Singing. Remember who gave you this song? There's within my heart a melody Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not I 
Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife, this court filled my heart with Jesus swept across the broken strings, steered the slumbering cords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. And the good part. Soon he's coming back to welcome me Far beyond the starry sky I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown I shall reign with him on high Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Please remain standing if you're able. Our next song is hymn number 500, Saved, Saved. Titus 3.3 3 tells us, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Saved, Saved. Enjoy singing this song because that's what God's done for me. He saved me through Jesus Christ. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love. Saved by his power. 
to sing that song and remind us that we're saved by his mercy and grace. Our next song, please remain standing if you're able, is hymn number 705, It Is Well. Psalm 55, 18 tells us, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. It is well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows
pause here just one second. I want to try something. This will be the only verse we get to do it on, but we train up for the next time we sing this song, okay? On the chorus right here, the first, and you see it up there on the screen, the first, it is well. I want the ladies to sing that. Men not singing, okay? Ladies only. But I'm going, I'm going to be an exception. I'm going to lead you ladies in those three words. And then I want all the men to sing the it is well that's in parentheses. I will be singing that with you. So you got it? Ladies, on the first it is well, but not the men. And on the second it is well, just the men, not the ladies. Let's see, let's take a test. This you dance this <laughs> No, you got it. I'm picking, okay? Let's see it. I get. Alright. It is It is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. Beautiful song. Now let's remain standing if you're able. And we'll have our greeting time, and you can shake hands, share smiles, share hugs, say hello, make everyone feel welcome. Especially if you see a visitor, run to them wide open. Just give them a great big old handshake and a smile. <laughs>
All right, I don't want to deprive someone of some good fellowship. It looks like we've had an ample amount of time here to go around and shake hands. Okay, we have a very special song now by Miss Ann Stone. So, Miss Ann, you come on and sing for the Lord.
I'm sorry, I forgot to cut my mic on. <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Ann, for that song. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now and let's pray as a corporate body. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your blessings, daily benefits. Thank you for all your mercy and your grace and your pity toward us each and every day. Thank you for the, the song, Lord. Uh, Lord, we're justified by your shed blood, your suffering, your death, your resurrection from the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you do for us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Come to sing praises to you. Come to hear the foolishness of preaching, Lord, and uh, to be encouraged by fellowship with one another and from the preaching of your word. We ask, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, to listen. Lord, uh, from at the preaching, and Lord, we'd gain uh, some encouragement and even conviction as needed from the preaching of your word and from your word. I pray, Lord, that you just help our pastor. Help him, Lord, to ha have a right frame of mind, Lord, to have boldness and liberty and clarity of thought and clarity of speech to preach your word here today with power from on high, from the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, please help him and bless him. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for all that's accomplished here today. We pray that every song, every word spoke, Lord, every note on the piano, Lord, brings honor and glory to you and pleases you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask and pray all things. Amen. If you're able, please stand and we'll sing our last song here. Last but not least, of course. <laughs> uh, show us Christ. John 6, 68 and 69 tells us, Then Simon Peter answered him, And Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Our God is not dead. He is alive forevermore. Show us Christ. Prepare our hearts, O God, help us to
show us Christ, show us Christ, oh God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word, until can we go Lord where else can we go you have the words of eternal life where else can we go Lord where else can we go you have the words of eternal life where else can we go Lord where else can we go you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Show us Christ. Show us preaching of God's Word. Amen. What a wonderful day of worship, wonderful songs that point us to the personal work of Christ. That's ultimately why we sing, by the way. We, we sing for no other reason, not merely just to sing unto the Lord, but notice what we sing. We sing the truth about the Lord. Now, we've got nothing worth singing if we don't have the truth. It's the truth that leads our hearts to know God. It is the truth that we sing. It's the truth that is expressed. It is the truth that is lived out as we fellowship and we shake hands. It is the truth that now we're here to, to feast upon as the Word of God is open. And I'm grateful for the, the special. Uh, thank you, Miss Ann. I love that song. And I love this song, Walking Up to, to Preach, Show Us Christ. And I'm not sure who, but um, for, for those of y'all that have never been up behind this pulpit, take you a field trip, come up here sometime. You can see I'm not lying to you. But um, one of the first things I did when I got here was I put two scriptures up here. And uh, just got them taped down on there. And I typed them out so I could actually read them. Because if I wrote them, we'd be in a mess. All right. That's why I type out my notes. All right. But anyways, Isaiah 58, 1 is on one side. It says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. It reminds me of what preaching is like. It is to lift up a voice like a trumpet. It is to call sin, sin. It is to call righteousness, righteousness. It is to preach the whole counsel unto God's people. 
There's a heavy responsibility. On the other side, I have 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That is my calling. Woe is me if I preach not this Gospel. But then as well, at some point in time, I hadn't been here too long, and I noticed one day I got up here, I think it was maybe a Wednesday evening perhaps, or a Sunday evening, I don't recall which, but I happened to look down and I said, something's different. Somebody had taken a piece of tape, and I don't know who, and they wrote, and it stayed here, and I have not moved it, and I'd love to know who did it. You could tell me afterwards if you do know if it was you, and if I have multiple people come, we'll have to start an investigation. <laughs> but it's John 12, 21 that says, Sir, we would see Jesus. And that's what we're here for. Take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. If you were here last week, well, first of all, let me go ahead and let you know if you weren't here last week, where we started a new series called The Beauty of Christ Church. There in your bulletin, you'll see that. Last week we looked at the, at the unique formation of the church, how God Himself has formed and fashioned the church, that He has done so for His purpose. And today we're going to look at the unique foundation of the church, specifically the unique foundation of truth that shows us the beauty of Christ's church. Perhaps the most beautiful thing, and one of the most beautiful things about the church of Christ, as we're going to see in this passage, that it is a pillar and ground of the truth. Today, if we aren't here because we believe this is the truth, then I want you to believe that this is the truth and have your life changed by the truth. The truth shall set you free. But today, if you didn't think that this was true, why would we gather on a Sunday morning when you could be anywhere else, put on itchy, fancy clothes, gather here and sing with a bunch of strangers songs that would mean nothing to you to hear a guy ramble on for a good however long he goes and to leave and be late to the fried chicken or the Mexican food? It would make no sense, would it? If we did not think that this was truth, we would have no reason to be here. We would have no reason to sing. We would have no reason to pray. We would have no reason to carry a Bible, let alone open that sucker and read it. But this is the truth. The beauty of Christ's church is her unique foundation of truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14-16. through 16, Paul writes, These things write I unto thee, to Timothy, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. As I said last week, and as I'll say it again this week, this sermon series is not to tell you what to wear or whether you could chew bubblegum or not on the church grounds. This is to show us how to conduct ourselves as the actual body and bride of Christ, not merely coming to a place. As we talked about last week, we'll talk about it again this week. God did not form a place, but a people. The church is the people of God gathered together out of the world and unto the Lord. And what we find is that you and I have gotten to a place in our Americanized Christianity where we often say phrases like, we do church. Or you have a friend who goes to a different church and you say, well, well how do y'all do church over there? We do not do church. We are the church together. Now, you on your own are not the church. You are a believer. You are a member of the church, the universal. But to be a member of Christ, to be born again, means that we will have a desire, nay, even a responsibility to be a part of the local church, the called out assembly of God, to be a pillar and ground of truth in this town, in this community, and to send the truth throughout all the world. That's what we're here to do. He goes on and he says, 
which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you this day. We thank you for the worship that we could lift up to you. God, it's such a small sacrifice that we have to give you a portion of our day. God, I pray that we would give you this day as a whole, that we would give you each moment of our life, that we would give you ourselves today and humble and complete surrender today. Lord, that you would touch our hearts from your word, that you would indeed show us Christ, that you would show us your glory through the preaching of your word. God, that you would get me out of the way, that you would guard and protect my heart, my mind, my tongue, that you would present your word to your people as you desire it to be presented. God, that you would give each one of us hearts to hear, that you would till up the soil of our hearts, and God, that there would be faith there, ready to receive your word. God, meet with us now, uh, and Lord, that you would have your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're seeing the unique foundation of truth that we have as a church. Now, you ever notice this? You probably do this like my wife and I. You ever watch those shows on HGTV, Chip and Joanna Gain and all that stuff, and they remodel these homes, and you go, ooh, I like what they did. That's a pretty door. I like that bedroom. I like what they did with that kitchen. Ooh, that's a nice kitchen. Look at that porch. That is so nice. Or, or perhaps you say, well, I don't, I don't watch all that mess. Well, every one of us, and if you say you don't, you might be telling a little tale. When we drive up and down the road, we see a house that we like. We go, ooh, that's a pretty house. Right, and we're not. That doesn't mean necessarily that we're lusting over it. All right, don't get me wrong here. That's a different sermon for a different day. Okay, it means that we go. Oh, I, I like that. That looks nice. Oh, that's a pretty place. That's a pretty right. You ever notice that when you say things about a house that you think is beautiful, not one time have I ever driven by a house that my wife thought was beautiful, and she goes, "Oh, Joe, look at their foundation. That is gorgeous." No. Not one episode of Chip and Joanna Gain did the, the, the homeowner say, oh man, you guys, look at that foundation. It's beautiful. Our kids are going to love playing on that foundation. They're going to love, the, love it. But yet anyone that knows anything about a home, if you live in anything that is a, not a, a tent or a cardboard box today, you've got a foundation, don't you? Right? Now you might not know much about building. I know nothing about building. I don't know nothing about building. I don't know nothing about fixing anything. The only thing I can fix is a hot dog. That's it. That's all I got. But I know a foundation means everything. As that foundation goes, goes the rest of that home. But here's the issue is that you and I, we drive by a home and we think it's beautiful because of what it looks like on the outside. The reason why that home is beautiful is because it's standing up. This is why it don't matter if you've got the biggest home, the nicest home, the prettiest home or not. If you've got a home... You've got a foundation, and that's the key. Now, for you and I as believers, what we're going to find is that the foundation is absolutely critical for each Christian and for the church. We stand on the truth, and we're living in a day and an age that rejects the truth, ignores the truth, wants nothing to do with the truth. That's the truth of the matter about truth. We know that where there's a crack in the foundation, there will eventually be a crumbling in the future. There's going to be some problems there. Now, the foundation of our hearts and our homes and our churches must be truth because to build on anything else, Jesus says, is to build on sinking sand. And when the storms of life come, you will crumble. This is why we find that for the church, for the believer, for our homes, for our families, we must build our very life and eternal life upon the truth of Christ. 
We live in a day where truth evades the masses, and many Christians are now disinterested in the truth while they seek a new religious or emotional experience. Here today, we are not gathered in this place for a religious or an emotional experience. You could get an emotional experience watching a sad movie. You could get a religious experience at a Krispy Kreme donut shop. But here is a place of the truth. Here is a place of, of business. The church is not a business, but it is a place of, to do business with God by the truth of the Word. That's why we're here. And you say, well, I would like to feel something. If the truth of the Gospel does not cause your heart to feel something, then your heart is still yet of cold, dead stone, and you must be born again. If the gospel is not enough for you, dear believer, to get you up out of bed on the Sunday morning to gather your family together to prepare your heart to hear the word of God and to joyfully come and sing and fellowship and worship God with the saints of God, then you're missing out. You, you are missing everything. The truth will lead us to worship and to feel. Now, does that mean that you read a verse and you're instantly going to feel the tingles? Not necessarily. Does it mean that you're going to sing a song like we've sung this morning that's full, packed full of the truth of the Word of God and you'll naturally get the tingles? No, because we're not seeking for the tingles. We're seeking the truth. The truth is found in this book, not outside of it. And this is why God determines how the church is formed and founded upon the truth. And this is why God tells us how to do church. We don't tell us how to do church. He tells us what church should look like. He tells us how to behave, how to conduct ourselves. He tells us the purpose behind all of these things. And it's not going to be found outside of this book. We get out of bounds when we get out of this book. We hear phrases like, you know, sometimes I just think we need to think outside the box. Creative thinking is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. God has made us a creative people. But our creativity should be based upon this truth. If we are creatively taking bounds and taking liberty and going outside of this book, then your creativity can go, go take a hike because it's going to lead you astray. Our emotions will lead us astray. Our hearts will lead us astray. The world will certainly lead us astray. And the devil seeks to always lead us astray. But the truth remains. And what we need today more than ever in the church and the Christian home is the truth. Not half truth, not most truth, all truth. We need the truth. The truth causes us to know God. To know God by faith means that we're going to love Him. We're going to serve Him. We're going to obey Him. And we're going to love His people. That's why we need the truth. Christianity, your salvation, your entire life, this church from start to finish is founded on the truth. If we aren't here because of the truth of Christ and we have no reason to be here, we may as well pack it up, right? Sell the building. We got no reason for existing. See, if the truth is taken away from the church, then you take away its foundation. When you take away the foundation, it crumbles. So it doesn't matter how beautiful of, of a porch it's got or how nice of a kitchen it's got. It doesn't matter how nice of a red door on the front it's got or a nice of a white picket fence on the front of that porch that's so pretty. If you ain't got a foundation, everything else doesn't matter. Dustin Binge writes, in Paul's meticulous description of Christ's church, he is saying to Timothy that once God's truth is removed from the church, her humanly devised structures, programs, and purpose for existing will collapse. I'm all for ministry, but if it's a ministry not built on the truth or proclaiming the truth, then it's not a ministry. It's not ministering to anything. We only minister by the truth. 
We only have outreach by the truth. We only have fellowship in the truth. We only have discipleship by the truth. We only worship in spirit and in truth. The importance of truth cannot be overstated, but it's often underbelieved and underpracticed. The life of the church is the truth of God. It is our heartbeat. It is our foundation. It is what everything else stands upon. And today, your life might be crumbling because you're not built on the truth, or it might just feel like everything's caving in. I want you to know the only hope that we've got and the thing that we must cling to and build our life upon is God's very Word. It is the unique beauty of Christ's church. You know why? Because there are thousands of other religions and focuses and faiths and every one of them is incredibly sincere. As a matter of fact, I would say sadly that most of them are more sincere than the average Bible-believing Baptist on a church pew on a Sunday morning dressed to the nines and singing their heart out. Absolutely sincere. The issue is this. You can be sincere in the wrong thing. You can be sincerely wrong. And here's what we've got is we've got a world today that is pitted against the truth of God's Word. And today, what Christ says about His church is that they are a pillar and a ground of the truth. This is who we are. It is both our position and our practice. This is God's plan and program and purpose for His church. To be the truth. Live the truth. Know the truth. Beholding the beauty of Christ's church, we're going to see the church's unique foundation of truth. And as we look here in this passage, verse 15 shows us a couple of words that are important. The house of God and church. This is God's program. It is a people, not a place. It is a living, breathing organism, not a lifeless organization. It is based completely upon being and abiding in Christ having trusted in His person and His work, having been completely found in Christ. All we have, all we know, all we must ever seek to have and know is Christ Jesus. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. As a matter of fact, what we find is that all of the truth that we need is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know the truth of God, you must look to Christ. If you want to see Christ, you must look to His Word and see with eyes of faith. Trust His Word from the very first words of Genesis to the very last revelation and everything in between. It is the breathed out Word of God. It is the truth, the foundation. It is the rock of which we stand. He then says, the next phrase that we need to focus in on today, and this will help us, the pillar and ground of the truth. This is the church's foundation of Christ. This is the foundation of truth. This is what our entire life and manner of life, our conduct, as he says in this passage, is built upon. Not our truth. Not your truth, my truth, their truth. God's truth. God's truth. If your truth doesn't match up with God's truth, then your truth ain't true. You must understand that. We live in a world and a day and an age that rejects the truth of God's Word but likes to claim that there are no absolutes, but they have their own absolutes. They say, well, I've got my own truth and it's absolutely true to me and yours because it doesn't agree with my truth that you're the bigot or you don't believe the truth. I have my truth and that's all that matters. I want you to know all that matters is God's truth and we will only know God's truth through this book. Now the pillar here is the idea of a buttress, a bulwark, a support beam or column, right? 
Much like if you think about um, that Chip and Joanna Gaines episodes as they're making everything and renovating the house, I've learned a couple of things about building. Now, I couldn't figure it out if I needed to on my own, but there's been a couple of times where Joanna, she stepped back and she looks at everything. She goes, you know, I'd love to take out that wall. That's always lovely, right? You always, let's just open the place up, right? And he goes to knocking on it and he's looking at it. He he does stuff. He figures it out. I'm pretty sure because of the show he already knows. But nevertheless, he always goes, it seems, ooh, that's a weight-bearing wall, right? It's a support. We can't take it out. Or we're going to have to take it out and put something else in its stead, right? And we've got to have something to support it. What we find is that the church is supported and our support beam, the thing that holds us up and holds us together is the truth. And the thing that you and I are now to be upholding and holding forth unto the world is the truth of God's Word. Benj continues and he writes here about this wording. He says the Greek word for, for pillar or buttress is uh, heterioma and means support. This is the only time this word appears in the New Testament and it defines the church as a bulwark of God's truth. The truth is her mission. The truth is her message. The truth is her reason for existing in the world. Today we're going to see a few things about the truth in this foundation of truth that we have. The church's beauty in her unique foundation. First of all, we see that it's in the confession of Christ. Look at verse 16. The foundation of the church of God. What makes a church a church? Well, each one of us would have a different uh, idea about what makes a church a church. You'd go, well, first thing, you need a building. You need pews or chairs. You need a sound system, maybe. That's optional. You need somebody to preach. You need somebody to sing. And you need some people to listen. We go, well, there's a church, right? You didn't know how to build it. Now we go, look at that. Look at all those easy steps we got. That's not it, is it? What we find is what does make a church? Christ makes a church because it's built around Him, it's built on Him, and it's built by Him. The church belongs to Jesus Christ, and we find that the way to be a part, and the only way to be a part of the church is to know Christ, to confess Him as Lord. As we've just sung moments ago, we find that it is to repent and believe the Gospel. One must be born again into the family of God. One must be born again into the household of God, as this verse tells us in verse 15. Must be born again into the church, the people, the family of God, the living, breathing organism, the living, breathing body and bride of Christ. You must be born again today. Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about do you know about Him? Can you tell me what He did on the cross? Not not asking if you've been baptized or are you a church member of a local church because you must be born again. You must be a member of Christ before you're a member of the church. You must be bought by His blood in order to be a member of the church. Now you can be a member of a thousand different local churches and still miss heaven by a mile because it is not about our church attendance. It is not about our church membership on the local level, but rather in the universal level of being in the body and bride of Christ. Now when you are in Christ, you will seek to be a part engaged and live your life in the pillar and ground of truth in your community, the local church. That's the beauty that gathers people from different tribes and tongues and nations and groups, joins us together by the truth. Verse 16 here is believed to be an early hymn teaching the foundational truth of the gospel. Before we go any further, I want you to know, dear Christian today, you say I've heard the gospel a million times. I want you to know you need it a million more. 
We need the gospel every moment of every day because without the gospel, there is no salvation. There is no growing. There is no sanctifying process in our life. There is no glorification. There's nothing without the gospel. And you will never outlive or outgrow the gospel. As a matter of fact, every doctrine that we find in the scripture is simply just a deeper exposition of the gospel itself. The gospel is interwoven and intertwined in every doctrine you've got. You name it, the gospel is there. It's either the reason for it or it's in the middle of it, but ultimately it's pointing us to what Christ has done and who Christ is. Ultimately, it's to show us in this verse, out of many verses in the New Testament, this verse tells us who Jesus is, tells us what He's done, and even alludes to what He's going to do. <coughs> Let's break this down. This verse expresses major doctrines of Christ, including the, His deity, <coughs> His incarnation, His life, His ministry, His crucifixion, his resurrection, His ascension, and we believe as well His coming again. Let's work through each little phrase here just to, just to see this foundation of truth, this confession of Christ. As they sing, as we sang earlier, we're singing the truth. Why? Unto the Lord to praise Him for the truth that He's revealed by His grace. We've received by faith, responded by faith, and now we have been saved by the truth of the gospel. And it has changed our lives. Not just saved us from hell, but it's given us a power over sin. It's united us together, made us a part of a living, breathing body of Christ today. And what we're going to see here now in this verse is each little section, each little statement is going to show us a deeper uh, opening and knowledge of the gospel and of these major doctrines of Christ to know Him more. And these would have been sung, this verse would have been sung by the early church. Why? Because it would remind them of their need of the gospel. It would remind them of the message of the gospel. It would remind them of the power of the gospel. It would remind them of the perseverance of the gospel in their life. How the gospel is sufficient for every need that you've got. The gospel is the answer. It is the good news, not merely to keep you out of hell, but it is the good news to keep you out of despair, out of misery. It is the good news that keeps the joy of the Lord to be your strength in the day of trouble, in the day of battle. We find that it is the gospel that will one day lead us home to the Lord Himself. He begins, God was manifest in the flesh. Here what we find, Jesus' deity and His incarnation. Who's God? He's deity. Jesus is God. He's not merely uh, part God or anything like that. He has always been God from everlasting to everlasting. The second person of the uh, triune God. He is God. If Jesus is not God, then we don't need the rest of this verse. If Jesus is not God, we don't need to be here. If Jesus is not good, God, you can throw this book away because it would mean nothing. Jesus is God. And those that deny that Jesus is God are not saved and are not a Christian organization. They are not a part of the true church. And so the folks that would call themselves a part of the church of Latter-day Saints who do not believe that Jesus is God do not know or worship the same Jesus that we do. We must worship the Lord our God according to His book. Not a book that a, a madman wrote. And this is not picking on denominations because it's not a denomination. And to be honest, the Lord is not caring about denominations. You are either born again, you are either part of the true church, or you are part of the false church and under the influence of the spirit of antichrist that is alive and well in this day and age there is no middle ground there is no gray area there's no halfway in halfway out you either are or you ain't now with this today we see that god jesus christ was manifest in the flesh john chapter 1 talks about this 
that He put on flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was very literal and real. And what this hymn would do is in the first century, there was a major focus about one of two things that the church had to face with Gnosticism and early Gnosticism and the Gnosticism that we find today, this idea of having a higher knowledge, a higher power, a higher uh, understanding and a deeper understanding that was gathered from outside of this book here. What they would say is either one, that Jesus was not God, or they would say that Jesus was never in the flesh. He was just a spirit. I want you to know Jesus did not show up like Casper the friendly ghost. Jesus put on flesh. He died in the flesh and he was raised to life. And and what we find is that our Lord was very much real and he was very much God. He was and is the God-man forever and forever. He then says justified in the spirit. That's the capital S. Justified by his works and resurrection. Now, Jesus did not have to be saved and justified like you and I have to be. We have to understand the word justified. What does it mean? Well, it's not merely just in our salvific understanding of that we have to be declared righteous in the sight of God, but it is well to justify oneself is to show oneself true, to show oneself righteous, to show oneself uh, to, to be what is claimed. And what we find is that ultimately... This shows that Jesus was justified by his works as the Spirit of God came upon him and he uh, did and lived his life and ministry for those years after his baptism. And what do we find? That the, the Spirit was upon him and justified through his works and his resurrection. That Jesus clearly showed that he was God, that he was man, and that he was and is the Messiah, the Redeemer that was promised long ago. We then see that he was seen of angels. Well, when was he seen of angels? Well, the moment he created them and they open up their eyes for the first time and they see the one that made him. Jesus is the creator of all things. Angels didn't make themselves. Jesus made the angels. But the angels were there at his birth. They were there to announce and proclaim. He came into a lowly manger, born of a virgin, as promised and prophesied. He proclaimed and, and lived out and, and fulfilled the scriptures. He was seen of angels at his birth. He was seen and ministered to angels at his temptation. That he was uh, in like manner tempted in all, all ways that you and I have been. But yet without sin, he was tempted there in the wilderness. Well, we find the angels come. They minister to him. How about this? We see that he was seen of angels in Gethsemane. It says in the Gospels that he as well was ministered there before he gets up and moves onward to Calvary. What else do we find? Well, the angels are sitting there on that rock, that stone that's been rolled away. And the angel didn't move the rock either, by the way. The angels didn't move the stone. Jesus did. It's the Lord who resurrected Himself. He said, I I take my life, I lay it down, I pick it back up. And what we find is that the angels were simply there for those that were coming to to think that they're going to find a dead Jesus to say, uh, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but He is risen. He's risen indeed. Not only was He seen there, but then at His ascension. The angels there look down at the disciples, at the apostles, and they say, what you looking up here for? Not Maybe not quite like that. But there in Acts chapter 1, they look at them and say, the same Jesus, the same One who is God and was manifest in the flesh and justified in the Spirit and seen of angels. He says, He will come in like manner. And yes, He will. Then He's preached to the Gentiles. Well, that's good news for you and I, isn't it? Because that means that 
everybody is now invited and included in the plan of salvation. So it does not matter how, how much sin you've got in your life. God's mercy is more. It does not matter how far you are or how high you go or how deep you hide. God is able to save and desires to save. Do not flee from Him, but flee to Him today. Do not run behind uh, religious works or religious ideologies. Do not run behind your own works or your own thoughts or opinions. Run to Christ and live. He says, come unto Me. The only way that you'll ever come unto Christ is by putting your trust in Him. You must repent and believe the Gospel. And for you and I who do know Christ, the same invitation is still there today. Come to Christ. He's not merely there just to save you from hell, but to walk with you through this life until He comes for us one day. Preached from the Gentiles, invited and included in God's redemptive plan, believed on in the world that's received by grace through faith of all nations. We see there in Revelation, every tribe, tongue, and nation that there's folks saved that you wouldn't even think is saved, and they got there. Not by anything they've done, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There are people that you and I will look down our nose on or could never communicate with in this life because of uh, geographical or, or language barriers, and they will serve and worship Christ right next to you. That's the beauty of being a part of the church of God. But then notice as well, received up into glory. <coughs> he went from glory to glory. God manifest in the flesh glory to the earth of which He created. What humility, what love. Received up, this is His ascension, but as a well alludes to His promised return. Christ is coming. The truth of the Gospel is found in every doctrine and we grow and we must grow deeper, higher, and wider with the Gospel. And dear Christian, today it is the truth of the Gospel, that confession of Christ, that confessing Jesus Christ as dead, buried, risen, that Jesus Christ is Lord forever and forever. It not only glorifies God, but it is the very reason why we exist. It is our pillar and ground of truth. I've got to move on. Next, we see that Christ is the cornerstone. Now, we find that Jesus is the very cornerstone, the foundation of which the church is built. He bought it. He builds it. And He belongs to her. And she belongs to Him. And you and I belong as individuals to Christ. And you and I belong as individuals to the body and bride of Christ. You belong, dear believer, to the church. Not in attendance, but in engagement and in membership to be a part of this local assembly. And we invite you to find your home here. And if you've been wayward, or if you've gone wayward, find your home here. Find the Lord Jesus Christ who says, Come unto me. Find and build your life upon the truth of God, the cornerstone of Christ. Now turn with me for a moment to Matthew 16. Many of you have perhaps been thinking the first thing when you think about the church or a series about the church, you think about this passage. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 20. I'll read it while you're flipping there just for sake of time. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I want you to know before we go any further in that passage, it does not matter so much what the world says about Jesus because they've got an awful lot to say about him. What matters is what Jesus says. And he goes on, he says, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now those are all good men. Those are all godly men. Those are all saved men. But they are not God in the flesh. 
He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? I want you to know today your salvation is not dependent upon what your grandmama said about salvation, what your granddaddy said about Jesus, what your preacher says about Jesus, what your wife or your spouse or your kids or your friends or the world says about Jesus. What do you say about Christ? Who do you say that He is today? You either believe or you have rejected. You either believe that He is the Christ or you do not. But today the invitation is the same. Believe upon Christ. Be born again. Come all. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. There is no other answer. There is no other plea. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Dear Christian, you cannot make your lost loved one believe. You cannot. All you can do is preach the Gospel. All you can do is give them the truth. All you can do is pray. All you can do is, is even weep and cry. But it's the Lord who reveals. It's God's grace that reveals our need of salvation. And our faith responds to be gloriously born again. That's why it is a gift. That's why it is grace that we are saved through faith. That's why it's not of our works, lest any man should boast, because we would boast. But the only thing that we had to boast in, because we've been saved by grace through faith, is to boast in Christ. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shalt thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What we're going to find on later on is that this is the preaching of the gospel to go unto all the world. Then charge he to his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. If you want some hope today, notice in verses 16 to 20, Jesus says, Peter, add a boy. Nice job. But then just a couple of verses later, in verse 23, Peter puts his foot back in his mouth and the Lord looks to him and says unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. What a turn of events. But what a faithful Christ. And what we find here now is the confession and a cornerstone of Christ. The confession of Christ, as we saw in our first portion of the message, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Messiah. It means Christ, the Anointed One. He is our Savior. He is the prophet, priest, and king of which no one else could ever measure up to and no one ever else could be. This is revealed by grace, responded to by faith to confess that Jesus is the Christ. The only reason why anyone is ever saved is because of the grace of God and you've trusted in that free gift. That's it. Now the cornerstone is this. Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. Notice there's two words, rock, here. One is the word Peter. It's the word Petros. It means a stone, even the idea of loose rocks. There's a second word, which is the word rock, here, which means Petra. Uh, any Petra fans out there from back in the day? A couple of you, all right. A couple of you, all right. Hey, we're going to break out some Petra next week. <laughs> oh, I'll get voted out of here. I, wouldn't, I don't want that. Uh, look up Petra on your own. They were a Christian rock group in the back. Some of you, that blow your mind already. But nevertheless, Petra, you know what it means? It means Pastor Joe's in trouble. No. It means a massive stone, a foundational stone. What's the difference here? So was Peter the foundation? You see, what some say today is that Peter was the first pope. Nowhere do we find pope in the Bible, let alone Peter saying he was the first pope. You think if he was the pope, he'd say, hey guys, I'm the first pope. He even writes two letters, first and second Peter, and he does not say, I'm the pope. In fact, what we're going to find is this. 
that the rock, the cornerstone of the church, her foundation of truth is the confession of Christ and Christ himself being the cornerstone. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Peter will be a building stone. He will live up to his name, Petros, a stone. You and I, as we're going to see in just a moment, are become lively, living stones, building stones that God desires to use you to build his church. He does not desire to simply use the preacher or the deacons or the whoever. He doesn't even desire to use the biggest giver. Would you believe that? He desires to use each and every one of you to build his church. Peter will be a building stone, but not the cornerstone, the foundation. Peter never says that he is this rock. Mystery solved. Now notice this. Paul and Peter make this very clear about who this foundational cornerstone is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16 says, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh, that's the Jews and the Gentiles. He brings them together. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We've seen that phrase already. 1 Timothy 3, where it says the house of God. The idea is the household of God, the family of God. He says, and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You say, ah! There's the key. Peter, the apostle, he was the foundation. What did Peter preach? He preached Christ. That tells me that Christ is the foundation. Because then he says, Jesus Christ Himself, not anyone else, Himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what everything else would be built upon. It was not just randomly built or, hey, let's just put some brick down on this ground and see what we can make. It was a cornerstone first laid there. It says, in whom? Not Peter, not the apostles or the prophets, but in whom? In whom? Jesus Christ. All the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple, a dwelling place of the presence of God in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. That's what Paul said. Peter, here's what he says. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse... <coughs> Excuse me, verse number 1 through 10. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ because there is no sacrifice or anything acceptable to God outside of Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a, cor a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, He's chosen, and those who are in Christ are a part of Him. We're built on Him, not ourselves. And He says this, And he that believeth on Him shall not be confounded. 
Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Why is this important? Because God is not seeking to build a place but a people. The church is the people of God. He says that ye should sow forth the praises of Him. That's our purpose. Who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's the cornerstone of Christ. That's what the church is built on. The church and every Christian must be founded and formed by the truth of Jesus Christ. That is our cornerstone. Lastly, lastly, we bring this sucker home, okay? Now we want to see what the church of Christ should look like. Here's our part to play in all this. Can you stop for a moment and I want you to think about this? You received mercy from God to be saved. And God desires to use your life. I've got nothing to offer that is good. But the Lord says, just offer me yourself and I, I will build my church. A preacher can't build a church. Ministries and programs can't build a church. Christ builds His church. The confession of Christ is our foundation. The cornerstone, Christ Himself, is our foundation of truth. And now, in verse 15, we'll bring this to a close and we'll see what the church of Christ looks like. He says, That thou mayest know how, to, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is, and here he defines what the house of God is, the household of God is the church, the called out assembly and people of the living God. That's our position. And here's our position and practice. Here's what the life of the church and the Christian should be. The pillar and ground of the truth. Sadly, many will not darken a doorstep of a church because they think they're not going to receive truth. They are tired of shows and gimmicks. What we need today is not a show or a gimmick to draw them in. We need to cast the net of truth out to the world. Let the Lord do the catching. We need to proclaim the truth, be upheld by the truth, and uphold the truth in this lost generation. So here's what the church of Christ looks like. Founded upon the truth. First of all, we are a pillar of the truth. Now, just as a pillar or a buttress or a bulwark, as this word could be understood as this, uh, this pillar of, of foundation and support is the idea, what we find is that the pillar, he says, that we are a pillar of truth, that the truth upholds the church and the church upholds the truth. This means that we are completely dependent upon receiving the truth Believing the truth, responding to the truth, living the truth, that it is our job to be a pillar of truth in this day, to not waver, but to support the truth no matter the cost, to support the truth when all others come against the truth, to, to have the truth as well support us. Now, today, if you are not letting the truth of God's Word support you, you will never be able to support it in the world. 
How can we witness to our friends unless we ourselves know the truth? How can we proclaim the gospel if we ourselves are not abiding in the in the, the in Christ in the gospel? We can't. See, this is our position of practice to be a pillar of the truth, to be the ground, to be the foundation of it. God has chosen His church to be this pillar in this world. The waves of the devil and the world come crashing in, but the truth still stands and will not. As Jesus had told, told them, He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now you and I, we read this back in Matthew 16, and it sounds like that the gates of hell are coming against us. My dear friend, if you look at the language of this, that's not the case at all. What is a gate? Do you use a gate for offense or defense? Defense. It wasn't a trick question. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if you're still with me. Now the gates, what is it? it's used for defense to keep folks out. I want you to know what we find is what God is saying to His disciples there. What Jesus is saying here is that the church is on the offensive. The church will be militant until she is triumphant when Christ returns for His bride. And that the gates of hell, the, the power of death, the power of sin shall not reign over the church. The church is victorious both now and forever. Now the truth of Christ determines and directs our life as the pillar and ground of truth. So not only are we to be the pillar of truth, but we are to be a people of the truth. The church is a people who depend upon the truth. It's why we gather and it's why we go. It is our purpose. It is our mission. It is our life. It is everything to us. It is what binds us to Christ and unites us to Him. It is what binds us and unites us together the truth of Christ. Not only are we to be a pillar of the truth and a people known for the truth. You say, well, shouldn't we be a people known for love? I want you to know if you believe the truth, it will lead you to love. If not, you don't really believe the truth. To know and believe the truth by faith will lead you to love the lost. It will lead you to love your neighbor as yourself. It will lead you to love the Lord your God. It will lead you to love the preaching of the Word. It will lead you to love the people of God. The truth will lead. We must let the truth do the leading. Third, we must see the church of Christ is to be protectors of the truth. We are to guard it. We are to hold fast to it. We are to cling to it. We are to protect the church from false teaching. One of the major roles of the under-shepherd, the, the pastor, the overseer, the bishop, is to do just that. To keep the wolves at bay. To keep false doctrine and false teaching out of the church. And one of the ways that I do that and, and attempt to do that by the grace of God is to simply preach the truth. That's what we must do. We must preach the truth. Believe the truth. We must protect the truth. And the way in which you can protect yourself is to get into the truth of God's Word. I cannot do it for you. Many sheep are unprotected because they go off on their own and they get away from their shepherd. I'm not your shepherd. Christ is the good shepherd. I'm here to be an under-shepherd to point you to the shepherd. Here's why this is critical and important. When we get out on our own, we are vulnerable. This is why we must not merely be here in the flesh, 
but be engaged with the rest of the sheep. You know why? Because they're sheep just like you. Your struggles are their struggles, and their struggles are your struggles. We're part of the same flock with the same good shepherd who is our bridegroom, and we are his body. We are his bride. We're to protect the truth. Second Timothy talks about this. Over in chapter 3, you can see the day and the age. Perilous times come and, and there's a falsehood that comes. And he says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. We see what the truth does. It leads to all these things in our life. Persecution, afflictions, which came unto me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And one day He will deliver us forevermore. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's, it's determined. It's going to happen. It's certain. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is why we must protect the truth. How do we protect the truth? He says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. That's the only way you'll know the truth. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You want to work for the Lord? Get to know His truth. Learn to be a pillar of truth. Learn to be grounded by the truth. And last, we must be proclaimers of it. We're in an age that no longer wants to hear the truth. We're living in a day and an age that does not even believe the truth. And sadly, many of us Christians don't believe the truth enough to tell someone else about the truth. The reason why we don't witness is not because we don't know the answers, and it's not because we don't have the opportunity, it's because we don't believe the truth as we ought. If we believed this book to be as true as it would, we would proclaim it from the housetops. There would not be a soul that we would not be willing and desiring to see saved, because if this book is true, all of eternity is dependent upon. But I want you to know there is no if. Because this book is true, we must proclaim this. I've got nothing else to teach you, nothing else to proclaim, nothing else to tell you about, nothing else worthwhile. We need the truth. Today is our life built upon this foundation of Christ. The truth of the confession of Christ who He is and what He's done. Do we see Christ as our cornerstone? Not merely for how we do church, but the cornerstone for our very existence. Do we see the beauty of Christ's church and how there is no one like her? There is no pillar that looks like this pillar. Because there is no other pillar. Everything else is shambles. Everything else is dirt heaps. This is God's pillar. So we bring this to a close today. I need to ask you first and foremost today, have you received the truth of the Gospel? Have you been born again? In order to be born again, you must receive by grace through faith the truth that Jesus Christ came, He died, He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Outside of that, there is no salvation nor a hope of it. You must put your trust in the truth of the gospel. Let me ask you, dear believer, is your life built on its truth? Does the truth of the gospel, is it your anchor when, when the storms rage in your life? 
is the truth of the gospel, the hope that gets you through the day, is the truth of the gospel, the joy of the Lord that gives you strength for each moment of life. Is your home built on truth or is it built on activity? What is your home? What is your heart built on? It must be built on truth. Let me ask you, when you come to church, do you desire the truth of Christ more than religious or emotional experience? We need the truth. Today, as we all stand, may we see the beauty of Christ's church through our unique foundation of truth. Today, if you need to be born again, come. Believe and accept the truth of the gospel and be born again. Today, dear believer, come and give yourself to the truth. Build your heart and your home upon it. Build your life upon this foundation of Christ. And let us watch as God beautifies and builds His church by the truth. As this piano plays, would you come today? This altar's open.